My name is Brittany Menard. I am 29 years old and I am terminally ill. Some of you may remember the story of Bay Area resident Brittany Menard. She recorded this video in October 2014, just 19 days before her death. Shortly after getting married in 2012, Brittany found out she had terminal brain cancer. She and her husband, Dan Diaz, interrupted a vacation and rushed to emergency on New Year's Eve. Here's Dan. The headaches that Brittany was experiencing, it was clear just something was horribly wrong. And so we went to the emergency room. They did a CT scan. And that was the first time that we saw the image of uh, a brain tumor. And uh, it was the following, uh, within the following day or two, that they did an MRI and they saw the size of that tumor. Um, so we learned that the tumor was very large and that there was no cure. Doctors told Brittany she had only six months left to live. Treatment options were limited, and Brittany decided to let the cancer run its course. During the first few months, she was well enough to complete everything on her wish list. Visits to Yellowstone, Glacier Point in Alaska, Olympic National Park. But Dan says time was running out. We knew what was coming for her, and she was already suffering from pain that not even morphine could alleviate. The inability to sleep sometimes for days on end. Nausea, vomiting, the seizures were the things that terrified her the most. But the final days and weeks were likely to be even more difficult. In the worst-case scenario, Brittany would go blind and become paralyzed as the tumor grew larger. That was a possibility, and Brittany simply said, I will not die that way. Why should I be forced to endure that dying process? Brittany decided that ending her life was the best option to achieve a gentle and quick death before her symptoms got worse. At that time, physician-assisted dying was illegal in California, but it's been legal in Oregon since 1997. So the couple packed up their house and moved to Portland, Oregon. Brittany met all the requirements under Oregon's Death with Dignity law and was given the lethal medication to administer on her own. I don't wake up every day and look at it. <laughs> um, it's in a safe spot, and I know that it's there when I need it. This was the first video Brittany released three weeks before her death. And I will die upstairs in my bedroom that I share with my husband, um, with my mother and my husband by my side, and pass peacefully with some music that I like in the background. In the video, she told her story about being forced to leave her home to seek physician aid in dying in Oregon. Having to go through that process, Brittany decided that, well, if she hopes to affect change, she'll have to put herself out there. So she made that first video. At the same time, People.com, People Magazine, they released that story about her online. And within that week, you know, 12 million views on YouTube, and Brittany Menard was all of a sudden everywhere. According to Dan, it was the most clicked story that People.com had ever posted. After a follow-up video was released, Brittany was feeling worse and continued having seizures. So six months after her cancer diagnosis, she said goodbye to her family and friends and took the lethal medication.
Dan was by her side when she passed. The cecobarbital, it's powder, it's mixed with water. Upon drinking that medication, in five minutes, Brittany fell asleep. About 30 minutes later, as the, the medication is absorbed into uh, her system, her breathing slows, and she passed away very peacefully. The videos and Brittany's death galvanize support for the assisted dying movement in California and around the country. Backers once again introduced the aid in dying bill in the California state legislature. This time, the bill passed and was signed into law by Governor Jerry Brown in October 2015. I think it was the next day I was driving over the hill and I realized I was about to start crying. I could feel it coming up. Steve Heilich specializes in ethics with the San Francisco Medical Society. For the last 20 years, he's been on the front lines, lobbying for aid in dying legislation. I pulled over and I just started sobbing, and I was shocked by myself, you know. Um, but I realized it was all about all this work and all those people and through the years, and that somehow this had paid off after so much time and so much frustration. For years, opponents successfully blocked efforts to legalize assisted dying. They've raised concerns over the potential for abuse. The elderly could be coerced to end their lives by greedy relatives. Disabled and poor people might hasten their deaths because they can't afford good health care. Attorney and author Wesley Smith is a leading critic of the Right to Die movement. When you consider our health care system with managed care, HMOs, profits being made from cutting costs, what could be cheaper than having an assisted suicide for a cancer patient rather than treating them to the end of their lives? I think the answer to assisted suicide and euthanasia has to be no. To address these concerns, safeguards were written into the new law. Physicians must discuss alternatives to taking the drug including comfort care, pain control, hospice and palliative care. Patients must be terminally ill and mentally competent to qualify. They must make two verbal requests for aid in dying at least 15 days apart, as well as a request in writing. Patients must consult two physicians to confirm their terminal diagnosis. And they must self-administer the medication. That was, you know, just to make very sure that somebody really knows that this is what they want. Healthcare ethicist Steve Heilig. And also the, the positive side effect is that you can identify problems and, and opportunities for giving them better care. These are the most scrutinized of all deaths, so it would be much easier if you really wanted to bump somebody off. Dr. Lonnie Shavelson witnessed the deaths of many people ending their lives in secret during the AIDS epidemic. About 20 years ago, what I saw was horrible. What I saw were patients taking the wrong medications at the wrong times and having bad outcomes from that. He called these deaths dark bedroom suicides. Nobody was providing guidance to make sure that this was being done well, done correctly, and done at the right moment or even at all. Bad outcomes included things like partial overdoses where people would fall asleep for two days from an overdose of morphine that, that did not result in death but resulted in brain damage and they would wake up two days later sicker than they started and with even more suffering. When physician-assisted dying became legal, he opened his new practice, Bay Area End-of-Life Options. His is the only medical practice in California focused solely on the new law and assisting qualified patients. 
when the bill was signed, there was almost the call that I felt, which was, you know, you've been thinking about this and advocating it for such a long time. It's almost like put up or shut up. Make it work. Be careful. This has, it has complicated implications. So I did an online search, and already there's a lot of reaction and opposition to your new business. So one of the headlines I found, he'll kill you for $2,000. Another headline, Bay Area Doctor Opens Euthanasia Business. Does it bother you that some people are basically calling you uh, a killer? Yes, I get hate mail quite regularly, and I get called Dr. Death quite frequently. But it's clear to me that, that what I'm doing is I'm working with patients who are making a very clear request that they want to know how they're going to die, they want to control how they're going to die, and they want to have a say in how their body is treated. Within days after his new business opened, he received multiple requests for help from around the state. Many, many patients, and I mean hundreds of patients, are interested in having an aid in dying medication as one option as their death approaches and cannot find any physician who will cooperate with them or participate with them. All Catholic hospitals have opted out of participating for religious reasons. Many hospitals in the rural areas and the Central Valley are also opting out. But Dr. Shavelson is hopeful that as they become more familiar with the new law, more doctors and hospitals will assist patients with their aid in dying requests. This is opening the conversation. The ability to ask for medication to end your life is saying to a doctor like, you know, if you don't take better care of me and provide a better death, I'm going to kill myself. This is what we saw in Oregon for 18 years, that there were increased conversations about good end-of-life care and not that many medications written for aid in dying. And I expect that's going to happen in California. Well, so this is a box of a bunch of letters that, that people had written in support of, of Brittany, of my efforts, of everything that we've been doing. Dan Diaz made a deathbed promise to his wife that he would work on making aid in dying legal. After her death, California became the fifth state in the country to legalize physician-assisted dying. Dan now works with Compassion and Choices, an advocacy group leading the assisted dying movement. He's visited eight capitals and has shared Brittany's story with many lawmakers. I'm immensely proud of my wife what she would be feeling, I, I'm sure, is a sense of, okay, job well done. And her voice certainly did make a difference and impact uh, for the rest of us. You know, people say, well, can one voice really make a difference? Well, yeah, hers did. Last November, Colorado residents voted to legalize medical aid in dying. Legislation is now pending in 23 other states and Washington, D.C., for CrossCurrents, I'm Joanne Marr.